He's sending you out to die. In the Coast Guard, they say, you gotta go out. They don't say you gotta come back in. This is the podcast, So There I Was. It's how every great aviation tale begins. Episode 31, Fig. 31! That just doesn't seem right. I know. That's awesome. Hey, but at least we're having fun, right? I'm having a blast. This is so cool. It is. Yep. This one's going to air on the 15th of December, 2022. And we're still with Sticks, our Coast Guard pilot, who opens up with a story he was out searching. Searching. Searching for a naked little person. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. Just the, that teaser right there is uh, is awesome. Also, uh, on 9-11, he was told to pack your shit and don't do anything stupid. Right? Which is always good aviation advice, anyway, as I recall. <laughs> don't do anything stupid. Yeah. So. Uh, what was the, another story? Uh, or uh, Well, the terrifying one was, we find out halfway through the story, it was at night. They're 100 miles out to sea at night. And it's, no. uh, they, they tried to kill a rescue swimmer. Yeah. You know, try, try, try not to kill your rescue swimmer. Yeah. Cause there, not That's, that there's enough bad crap going on out there already in the middle of the ocean at night huh. in big seas. And no, at a hundred miles, uh, down low in a helicopter. Yeah. That's just terrifying. Just talking about it. It's terrifying. It is. And, and the thing is they did it over and over and over again. He has 74 search and rescue missions in his logbook. So God bless them. God bless all the Coast Guard pilots and rescue swimmers and air crew that go out there, usually in crappy weather, because that's when things really go bad, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It never happens when it's sunny in 75 with calm seas. No. no. Yeah. And that's a no-kidder. God, God bless them all. That's amazing. So sit back, relax, get your finger ready to press the float switch if you need to. And enjoy the show. Episode 31, coming your way now. 31! This here is a true story about crossing the pond at night in the world's smallest cockpit on the tanker through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't. So there I was. Which is how all great aviation stories start. Welcome. Listen, I have a list of things here, and and you have yet to talk about one of them. So I, I I'm going to go straight. I'm going straight for the throat. All right, are you ready? Yeah, you ready yeah, and I'm ready. Shoot. Yeah. So your search target was naked little people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that story. Oh my God. So yeah. So I sent you guys a list of different cases that I was involved in. This yeah, was, I got a half those. a dozen notes here. I got questions on. Yeah, so man. let's go. Oh my your God. Search right. target so, was, was a naked little, person. naked little, person. naked little person. Yes. So I am launching and This is actually one of my last star cases before I left the coast guard. So we, uh, where, where were you? Of, where were you? Yeah. So I was going to tell you, we were based out okay. of Atlantic city, New Jersey. Um, okay. and it's a first light search. So we get notified of this case that comes, that's coming at us at like, God, I don't know. It must've been like four o'clock in the morning or so. So we're, we're launching out at like five 30. And what was 
you know, so we, you know, we don't necessarily know exactly what all the details. So we get down and there's the way that the rescues are coordinated. There's a rescue coordination center called an RCC. And this RCC um, has all the information. So as we're getting down and they pass us our, you know, search pattern that we're going to be doing. And we're getting into um, just a, we're maybe like 15 minutes from being on scene. And we call over to the RCC and we're like, hey, so what's our search target? And they come back, well, you're looking for a, uh, we're looking for a PIW. Okay, do you have any more specifics on that? Yeah, you're, you're looking for a naked little person. So, so PIW is person There's in a, the water. I'm sorry, yeah, I got to correct. So person in the water. Okay. Okay. So in fact, really, in a nutshell, you're looking for a basketball in the water. Right. You know, <laughs> that's about what, how big it is. Basketball is probably looking. easier to spot. It's going to be more <laughs> flotatious. And orange. <laughs> um, and so anyways, so we're you know, the, the word that's passed to us is you're looking for a naked little person. And we're like, what? And so I asked for, you know, and like, okay, can you give us more information? Like, well, you're looking and they're like, you know, it's a, a small person who I'm like, we're we looking for a child. And they're like, no, you're looking for an adult. Oh, you, you mean like a midget. And the, well, the, the rescue that's coordination. That's a politically center, correct term. Exactly. Comes up, Sir, <laughs> I, I think the more appropriate term is going to be little person. I'm like, okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'm so like, well, no, so there's like a, my, but once, okay. Hey, I got, I got to stop. I'm sorry. There, there's a difference. There's, there's midget and there's dwarfs, which are both considered little people. They're, are they not medical terms? I could oh, be they, wrong. They would be. I'm in a helicopter okay. at 500 feet. Yeah, well, that, okay, there <laughs> we go. Let's get the to difference. the important part here. Can you Let's tell so, the difference at this what point? What am I going to do? Put <laughs> right? back You're looking for a head in the water. No, nope. I'm going to put back the, the person that's fully clothed in a regular, in regular size. <laughs> yeah, right? No, nope, exactly. you're too big. You're going back. <laughs> you're not the Kick one I'm looking the, for. Kick him out of the chopper there, uh, rescue swimmer. <laughs> nope. Exactly. Wrong one. Throw him in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was, okay. so that's really the, the story there. And then what, <laughs> what transpired from that was because we're now we, this was probably like a two and a half hour sortie and we, so sortie meaning mission in case anybody's curious on that. Yeah. Um, so two and a half hour sortie and the, for the entire two and a half hours that we're flying this mission, there was nothing but nonstop, you know, puns, jokes nope. being made. Nope. Can't um, can't even see that happen. coming. Didn't happen. Nope. <laughs> nope. Never yeah. saw that one. Yeah, that, that was that was nutty. Um, Did you find a naked? No, uh, no. Person? This was no? this was one of the cases where I didn't bring somebody back. Okay, not even a, a, a slightly larger person. That was no, not a slightly larger person. We all we found was a whole lot of blue water. So uh, duty on nine eleven. How much time you got for that one? As I was trying to reflect back a little bit back on my Coast Guard career and actually what I've also done in, in the medical side of things, I've discovered I think I have a black cloud that has not left me. I was actually part of the response for both 9-11 and uh, American Airlines Flight 587 that went, went in over Long Island. Yeah, which was like October? Uh, it was actually November. I, mean, I, was, I was in London was that night. pretty close. It was yeah. pretty close, right? Yeah, it was right after 9-11. Yeah. Everyone thought it was a, another terrorist attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. what it was right. was that I believe the second pilot reversed um, the yeah. pedals. Yeah, snapped, uh, snapped the vertical tail off. And ironically, one of my instructors from, the, from King's Point was on board that flight. Really? Yeah. Oh, geez. On 9-11, I was off going duty. And I remember sitting at my desk at the time I was the public affairs officer. 
uh, off going duty. What so, was the what was a normal duty day for you? As normal. A, so in a lot of ways, it's like sort of standing duty at a fire station. It's typically twenty four hour duty shift. I'm sitting at my desk, and one of the other officers at the air stay comes in and says, "You know, hey, you might want to go into the ops end because." a plane just flew into the World Trade Center. When he said this, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm thinking it's a small airplane, you know, private airplane. First thing I thought when I got the phone call, I thought some guy in a Cessna was in the clouds, fell and flew into a building. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. As I'm walking into the op center, I'm looking at the, there's a television screen up with the whole feed coming, I think from CNN. And there's already one tower burning. And all of a sudden, you see a second plane fly into the second tower. We saw the same thing at the same time, bro. And my brain thought, oh, I'm just watching a replay of the first thing. Yep. Right. I realized at that moment, after I'm looking at both towers burning, that holy crap, that's a whole separate event. Yep. Yeah. Shit just got real. And then we got word from the tower that there were two planes at that point that were also Nordo. In other words, they're no longer communicating. ETC is no longer yep. communicating. Nordo, no radio. Yep. And that they weren't that far from our area. So right. where I was based out of on my first and my only duty rotation as a, as a Coast Guard pilot was actually at Air Station Atlantic City, New Jersey. Our AOR, our area responsibility, covers from basically the Connecticut shore south down to the Delmarva Peninsula. And includes Washington, D.C., Philly, and New York. That's a big area, bro. Everything went down in our backyard. Yep. I remember at that point, there's two planes that are now no longer communicating. We hear one had crashed into the Pentagon. The next one crashes into a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Right. Our CO, I think, did a really good job. It would have been very easy to start sort of letting panic set in. And, you know, he called an all hands meeting. We get, you know, everybody's down on the hangar deck and he's like, listen, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. You know, make some phone calls to your family. Let them know that you're okay. Let them know that we're going to be holding on to you for a while. Um, You know, get, you know, get your stuff squared away because we don't know what's coming next. And we don't know what you're going to be asked to do next. Um, But in the meantime, just make sure that everything's ready and don't do anything stupid. (laughs) Don't do anything stupid. Right. And, you know, and it really kind of what it boiled down to, there was some discussion among some of the more senior pilots, could we hoist people off of the towers? And the answer to that is no, there is no way that you could safely do that. You don't know, like, if there's people even there, you don't know what's coming next. So there are so many different variables to consider. And it was definitely something that was considered. John, let me ask, let me break in and ask why, because obviously there were people yeah, up on the roof of those towers thing. and they all expected to be picked up by helicopters soon. Why, why couldn't you pick people up from up there? There's a number of different reasons why. Number one, we didn't know that the, at that point that the towers were going to collapse, right. but we didn't that, know. If I don't there think was that had crossed anyone's mind until the first one went down. Right. We were kind of concerned. There's just too many variables. The, also, the winds aloft at that high. Are, are you know really difficult to contend with and you're hovering out of ground effect you know mm-hmm. so a helicopter hovers has a lot more power to work with when you're hovering in ground effect mm-hmm. define ground effect ground effect is within one rotor diameter of the ground so for tupper wolf which is the h65 which is what i flew that's 39 feet so we're somewhere around 40 feet within the ground you're in a much better more efficient 
regime Gives where you a better cushion of air underneath you would you say exactly and it's not yeah. it's probably not that different than the harrier what happens is air coming down out of the rotor disc is hitting the ground it's being pushed off to the side it's displaced and you've got clean air constantly coming back into the rotor disc as you hover further out of ground effect you're recirculating air back around and okay. you can then find yourself very easily in something um, that's called settling with power, which is where the helicopter starts settling out of the ground, out of the air, and you have a rapid rate of descent. And the only way out of that is to actually fly out of it. You got to push the nose over, forward flight, drop your collective, and move and get forward airspeed. Why couldn't you get within thirty nine feet of the roof and pick somebody up? I'm totally ignorant on this. You've got antennas, towers. Okay. There's so many variables and things that we didn't know. Right. And we do a lot of crazy stuff, yeah. you know, in terms of hoists, you know. And I'm assuming there were no helipads up there on top of those no, towers. No, there's no helipads up there. Okay. I've flown over New York City a number of times, and the, the wind's aloft in that area, pretty rough. Probably and one big burble. Although that morning was pretty kind. It was a beautiful September morning. Things looked pretty right. kind. It was. Just to set the record straight, Harriet uh, hovering in a Harrier. It has yeah. no aerodynamic. Uh, th there's anything no you said about the hovering yeah. and and uh, ground effect. That's all. That's no. no. Okay. Yeah. I, so I don't know what I think about. The it's area. okay. It's but, cool. It's an awesome aircraft. Oh, it's magic. But but let's get back to your story. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So you're stuck. You're, you're told don't do anything stupid. Get your stuff in order. And we don't know how long we're going to keep you. Right. We'll, we'll we'll be done with you when we're done okay. with you. Here's what I'll tell you. What was unique for me on September 11th was everything that transpired after that. So I actually flew over ground zero a couple of different days. I've actually got pictures shot from the aircraft. One of the more interesting missions that I got tasked with. So I actually flew over ground zero on September 12th. I think it was the 14th or the 15th. I flew some air marshals down to Ronald Reagan Airport to go basically meet with the president. When I went back and I looked at the month of September for 2001, I actually logged 22 flight hours, which I hadn't thought much about. But when you, if you asked any other pilots how many people actually logged hours in September of 2001, the answer was probably something close to zero. Much closer to zero than that. Yeah. Wow. And here's the other interesting thing about that. So you flew over ground zero, you flew air marshals down to Reagan Airport to meet with the president. Yep. Yet you're not trusted to bring nail clippers on your damn American Airlines flight to Dallas next week. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> no. Okay. Not only that, and I can't right. bring more than four ounces of shampoo. That's right. No. Well, you have a beautiful head of hair, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say uh, you probably I... need that shampoo. <laughs> so, so, so nine twelve. You're you're flying. You're logging. Yeah, I flew a lot in September and and a lot thereafter. But here was one of the funnier stories that happened out of that. We get requested by the air marshals who happen to be co-located with us at Air Station Atlantic City. Yeah. And they say, hey, we, wanted, we want you to fly us down to Reagan so that we can go meet with George Bush. So we call up to ATC to file a flight plan. And the first really? question that we get is, what's your Scantana priority code? Scantana. Yeah. That's something you can you actually look, look up. this one up. I know, right? And so I'm like, what <laughs> the F is this? So I kind of tried to balderdash my way through it. It's in the FIH. And I said, uh, priority three. And then there's just the click. <laughs> so, and they hang up. <laughs> so we make a phone call. I'm at one, damn it, one. So we call down to headquarters and we talk to the chief of aviation and we say like, what the hell is the Scantana thing? All of a sudden you hear in the back on this conference call, 
this one little ensign in the back of the room go, oh, wait, I know what the answer to that is. And then you hear him quite literally dash out of the room and then runs back and he pulls out this booklet that was written during World War II. And it's all about like how the military will take over the airspace over the United States in a time right. of war. So we get our Scantana priority code. Now call FAA back. I get my clearance to go fly down to D.C., and I got a flight clearance like I will never, ever get in my life again. Right, because there's nobody else flying. Nobody else is flying. So the tower calls up and goes, ah, sure, you're clear to land wherever you want. Would you like, and then this is the tower controller, mind you, would you like us to call for a, um, a rental car for you? Would you like um, fuel services? <laughs> Wait, was would this, you did like, you say this was at Reagan? Yes, right. Ronald Reagan. This is a class B Super busy oh, airport. Yeah, we're the busiest yeah, airports. Yeah, we're, well, I'm familiar. I, I go in there all the time. It, normally, you go in there to land, and it's like, yes, you can land at this exact spot that's about 10 feet by 10 feet and don't move out of there until and plus you, or minus until 10 you seconds or your clearance is canceled, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we are cleared, cleared in, and we land, and we're like, holy moly. You know, so he got, he's calling all these things for us. And finally, the pilot I was flying with goes, so are you pretty bored up there? He goes, out of my skull. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. He's Please. just now doing all this Please. stuff for us. Should have had him bring a large pepperoni, you know. Right. Extra sausage. <laughs> so what you guys are offering. <laughs> so, so now wow. we're RTB. So we're returned to base. And we're flying yeah. out of there. And we've also, we're flying with a mode two squawk. So mode two is like a discrete squawk that's different. Yeah. Squawk meaning your identification friend or foe. It's a way that ATC can track you and identify who you are and what you're doing so that you don't get shot down. Hey, and, um, and by the way, there's only military aircraft and absolute emergency aircraft that are flying at this point. Right. So there's nobody in the air. It's right. probably the most eeriest flying experience you've had. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, it was just, it was bizarre and to, you know, because you're, you're looking around and normally I'm used to seeing on the TCAS, all sorts of aircraft near us. There's nothing, nobody's flying. Um, so we're, we've got a mode two squawk in, we're coming out of DCA. And of course, you know, we, we clear out of the airspace, we check out with tower and we say, you know, Hey, we're, you know, clear to the North. And he says, you're, you're clear to the North squawk VFR. And just because autonomic response, this is what we do, you know? So the, as we're cleared to squawk VFR, um, I can't remember who, either myself or the co-pilot puts in 1200 onto the squawk into the CDU, which is our computer that controls our, you know, IFF. Uh And that resets our mode two squawk. So the mode two squawk's now gone. We're squawking VFR and nobody is supposed to be flying around without a discrete squawk. Right. Not even three seconds later, the voice of God comes over the phone on over the radio on guard on, you know, so basically UHF, VHF. So, you know, on both both military on all frequencies. Yep. And it's, you know, this is dark star turn, climb to maintain 2000 feet, set 500 feet uh, prepared to be intercepted. And out of nowhere come these two (laughs) F-16s. And and we land over at Andrews, we reset our squawk and head back home. But man, that was probably the most terrifying (laughs) couple of moments. Did they, uh, of course, F-16s don't join in formation on a helicopter. They're coming by. They're coming by. Oh yeah. No. A clip. 
and uh, they just want you to know you're going to do what 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 you're advised to do or shit's going to go bad right absolutely but i mean think about it this way i'm flying a bright orange helicopter yeah oh oh Seriously? I, I get it it's bright it's daylight right it's daytime yeah. oh yeah it's day. Yes. it's like oh, 12 yeah. o'clock you know it's... yeah there's nothing else going on i hit the and, wrong button you know it's it's cool. And, and you know what? Uh, we just got attacked. And so, you know, we're all playing the, we're all playing the same game. And these guys are on cap and they're bored and they're like, okay, yeah. the, heli- the coast Something guard guy forgot, the coast yeah. guard guy forgot to squawk. Yeah. It's an opportunity nice. to light them up. Yeah. So, nice. and you know, the, the, you know, those F-16 guys were from Atlantic city. They were the probably guard guys yeah. from Atlantic city. may yeah, very well have been from Atlantic city or Andrews. We're not yes, sure. Yes. So. Right. Yes. yes. Right. Oh, you're right. It could have been it could be an Andrews guard guys. So you got a couple other ones in there too. That one was uh, we nearly killed a rescue swimmer, and then the other one was I think it's the one you relate related to me, which was about the whale watch, which is just horrific. Is I Uh, that's the one I'm thinking about. But yeah, so tell me about trying to kill a rescue swimmer. Yeah, I want to hear about killing a rescue. Tell me about those guys because we had GT on on a previous show, Navy helicopter pilot, and he wrote a book about the rescue swimmers in the Navy. Those big, guys are full on studs. They uh, big, big respect, big respect oh, for rescue swimmers. Yeah. A big respect. Yeah. I have an infinite amount of uh, respect for my rescue swimmers. The one thing I was going to ask is: it possible to take like a two minute pause? Absolutely. I will pause the recording right here, right now. So we're just about to talk about you trying to kill a rescue swimmer. What did the guy piss you off or what? What's going on? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> So we get launched off for a case, and this is probably one of the more typical cases that we do. So we're going about 100 miles offshore. Um, oh, geez. And yeah, because a mile trying- offshore, the water isn't as deep. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I should bring back, we should have started this whole show off with, I'll tell you a couple of Coast Guard jokes. So we're going 100 miles offshore. So there's two helicopters going. At Air Station Atlantic City, it's a long story, but we consolidated Air Station Brooklyn and Air Station Cape May. So there's two B-0 aircraft, B-0 meaning ready aircraft. So that's an aircraft that's got a 30-minute launch window. We're going offshore for a fisherman that actually got dragged over the side. CPR was in progress. Regrettably, the person that went over the side was the captain. So he's the most experienced person in handling the boat. Oops. We are flying cover, and we're watching one of our other helicopters go in to try and pluck this guy off the boat. And they get over the boat, and... I'm sitting on my NVGs and I'm watching all of this transpire. And I think what oh, was happening. Oh, oh, oh you oh, failed oh, to oh, mention oh. this was at night. Thank you. 100 miles over the water at night in a helicopter. Jeez. Come on, sticks. I'm telling you, that shit's dangerous. <laughs> um, a little bit. But yeah. So, and it's because it, this just sort of goes into, yeah, this is just what we do. Yeah. This is but another yeah. Tuesday. Okay. Well, I that get just it. upped my stress level right there. Yeah. Jeez, it's, right? it's overcast. From what I recall, it was overcast, probably about 30 to 40 knots. Sea states, 12 to 15, maybe 20. The platform we're hoisting from is, I'm going to take a gander, say probably about 30 or 40 feet in length. So not very big. So they're all over the map. So it's pitching and rolling like you read about in 12-foot seas. So they're trying to put their swimmer on. And the game plan was they were going to put their swimmer down we were going to put our litter to come in, put our litter down. They were that swimmer was then going to load the patient into the litter. We would hoist the litter, and then we would medevac the patient with the second crew coming back in to pick up the first swimmer. 
Okay, the litter being the stretcher in which the, the patient is strapped. It's like a, right. a stretcher. So to understand a uh, full Coast Guard crew is two pilots, a flight mechanic, who's the person that's directing my hoist, and then the rescue swimmer. And the rescue swimmer is sort of our EMT as well. A good portion of what we do is also medevac missions. I have one more logistical question, bro. Sure. So the first crew is going to drop the swimmer, but he was going to, they were going to put him on the ship, correct? On the boat, right. Okay, go. So in the process of trying to get the swimmer down, the boat, the person who is at the helm should be trying to maintain a heading where the winds are now coming about 30 degrees off the port bow. That allows the helicopter to come in and keep a nose into the wind and maintain some degree of visual contact with the water, at least the boat. And then we usually drop the swimmer down on the port quarter of the boat. But what happened was, is this person who's driving the boat kept steering, looking over his left shoulder. And, you know, you got that connection between your chin and your hand and he kept pulled, straight into the waves. He kept steering to the left. And of course that also put him more into the waves Long story short, as they're trying to put the swimmer down, they got out of position. The swimmer gets down. The cable gets wrapped around the no. mast of the boat. No, no. And as, as that happens, all of a sudden, the helicopter is starting to move forward and over the boat. They're now lost contact with the boat. So immediately, they start now trying to back up and come, to the, um, come back to the left so they can get the visual of the boat again. So you're, you're in a second bird watching this, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm watching. Are this. you able to give any guidance to the pilot no, flying? This no, thing? no. Okay. I mean, stay out it's, of it. your best bet is just to sort of watch. I have to ask another logistical question. I'm sorry sure. to interrupt, bro. I'm this terrified. is kind of important this story though. I know pilot in command, the guy that's actually flying the aircraft, is he yep. in the left or the right seat? So this is different. This is a difference between fixed wing and um, rotary wing aircraft. Right seat is the pilot in command, typically. So your aircraft commander is on, usually on the right seat, um, or at a minimum, the person who's doing the hoist is in the right seat, and the person that's the safety pilot or the backup pilot, it's on the left. Okay. 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 Because the hoist is the hoist and everything is set up on the right side of the aircraft. And that's why that's set up that way. Okay. Um, so long story short, this swimmer ends up down on the boat. The cables wrapped around the mast. The boat's now veering back around to the right. The helicopter's backing down and going to the left. And the swimmer is still attached to the cable. Oh, shit. And so so I, swimmer, I've got to ask this. I'm sorry to interrupt because this is a good story. And I, I promise this is the last interruption. But if if I came to you and said, look, I want you to consult me on this. I'm a movie producer and I want an action-packed Hollywood night rescue. And we're going to do this and we're going to wrap a right guy around the mat. You go bullshit. It doesn't happen. Yeah, no. So he got dragged through the rigging and he came back up and he was a train wreck at that point. Um so they, so for, you know, then, you know, we get the call back from them. We're, you know, we're actually en route to the trauma center with our swimmer who's severely injured. And now it's up to us to complete the hoist. So we do end up getting the, the person off the boat. I remember the day after we completed the mission, the, regrettably the person in, in, you know, that we were trying to help did not survive. 
we didn't it didn't I didn't expect it to, to go that way. Just the process of doing the hoist alone would kill the patient right. um, because of the interruption in CPR, the amount of time that would transpire between when you would do it, when you would actually get the person up and then yeah, be able to resume CPR, you're going to kill the person. So anyways, the, the swimmer had a, a myriad of injuries, everything from, you know, multiple fractured ribs, liver lacerations, splenic oh lac, gosh. cervical, um, I think a cervical vertebral fracture, collapsed lung. Um, Good Jesus, Lord. It sounds like he did everything but drink the water at Camp Lejeune. <laughs> Yeah, it was, he was a mess. This is, um, this is horrible. Oh my God. So, um, is he, did, tell me he survived. Is he okay? He, he, he survived. What was regrettable, you know, what I felt bad for him was he was about a year from retirement. Oh my gosh. You know, oh and my gosh. I have nothing but the greatest respect for our rescue swimmers. Oh, as do I, you know, and, and these guys, train so bloody hard for what they do and they just put everything out there the worst part for me was i'm i'm the safety pilot for this flight and i'm powerless to do anything all that i could do is afterwards you know go and visit him in the hospital and say hey dude i'm really sorry it looked gnarly from where we were sitting <laughs> yeah 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 well, and, we're, focus- and we're just hearing it oh my god and i'm, I'm sitting here i am just not finding it I think you told me at one point it was semi-realistic as it goes. The Coast Guard movie with Kevin Costner. Right. It's uh, The Guardian. The Guardian. Yeah, The Guardian. Yeah. yeah. There are certain aspects of it that I think that ring, that ring true, but there's a lot of there's there's a lot of Hollywood in there. Yeah, sure. There is. That's right. That's how that's how you sell tickets, baby. But uh, yeah. but I think it does a nice job of saying, hey, you know what? You you don't make it through this school and jump out of helicopters because you felt like jumping out of a helicopter one day. Uh, right. It takes a lot of stones and a lot of training. What you're describing, flying at night on the goggles with an overcast in coast. twenty yeah hundred miles out to sea, twenty foot, fifteen twenty foot seas. No thanks. It's terrifying. No, no, no would not. No thanks, Sticks. Not interested. Hard pass. Love you, bro. Uh, but no over, thanks. What I what I will what I will tell you is, and like I said, when I started this discussion, I said I'm average. I wasn't even one of the ones that went to Alaska. Oh man. Okay. Well, I want to hear another story. I've got. Well, yeah, I've got. Okay, shoot. I, I got a topic. You were a hero for six minutes. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to remember which one was that. Um, so jet pilots look alike. Oh, Racist. yes. Yes. <laughs> so there's actually yeah. even voice cam footage to to back this up. I think I just passed my first pilot check. And there's a whole discussion there to be had on how, what the progression is of a, of a Coast Guard pilot. But what I will point out, and it's kind of an interesting fact, is so from the time that I come out of my T course, which is comparative to what you do in the RAG, so when okay. you come out of the RAG and then you go to the fleet, I came out of the T course. I fly back home to Atlantic City. Three days later, I've got my first duty. I'm on I'm on my first rotation as a duty standing pilot. Nice. <laughs> I flew my first SAR case within seven days of finishing my T course. That's fleet. That's feet right in a fire, right there, buddy. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the here's here's the thing. I'm on duty, and it's um, not long after 9/11. I want to say it's like February, and we get word of an F-16 pilot that ejected into the Pine Barrens over uh, New Jersey. 
And we're like, oh, okay. So we're beating feet because we want to obviously we get you know brother pilot. So this is my first operational hoist of an individual. And it actually happens to be not over water, but over land. So I'm actually hovering well out of ground effect. I'm sitting up at about 150, 175 feet. We actually managed to, you know, get in onto the the pilot relatively quickly. Great hoist cam footage of this. Can, by I, the way. Uh, can I stop you just for a yeah, second? Sure. That's high. And, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, repeat and I have a little bit of hover experience and when you're that high and you're over trees, you really, it's, it's, you have no reference. So, um, right. how, how, so how's that work for, how, how do you do that? You just a lot of practice, but and a lot of it is, you know, you sort of, you're, you're going to have to move, you develop a scan and you move that scan around and by scan i mean i'm looking out outside at the aircraft attitude i'm looking at my altitude i'm looking picking a reference somewhere near close that gives me an idea if i'm moving forward or backwards or left or right there is actually hoist cam footage where we're getting ready to deploy the swimmer and i and the swimmer knows i'm the fng and he comes up on ic you know so we're getting ready we go <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have checklists that we follow. So we have rescue checklist part one, that's already being completed. I call for rescue checklist part two, which is direct deployment of the rescue swimmer. And I get then the flight mech comes up and goes, hey, Mr. Hall, Coast Guard doesn't use sticks or use, you can call signs tactically all the time, but you sure, do get sure. nicknames. And that's how sure, we ended up sure. with sticks. Long story or short story there, but I'll go great, back to that great later. Nickname. Great nickname. So he comes up and he goes, hey, Mr. Hall. He goes, uh, the swimmer wants to ask you something. And the swimmer comes up and goes, you know, I just want you to realize there's a lot of trees here. And if you don't put me down right, you're going to drag me through all those trees. <laughs> and so there's actually, I actually have the hoist cam footage with that whole interaction between me and the swimmer. Which is kind of ironic because you're dropping him in the trees. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he's a swimmer. But I can understand his concern. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I, I totally get it. And what was, oh, I do too. What was oh unique gosh. about it, what was really cool about it was that I think it's such a great example of crew resource management and yes. how the air, like, especially in a helicopter, you know, I cannot do a hoist without the assistance of my flight mech who's conning me in and telling me where I need to go. And that's one of the key things that you hear the flight mech goes, okay, you know, you're in a position here, easy forward, right. Come, you know, come right. You know, you've got five, ten, easy forward, 10, hold, yeah. hold position. And, and these are standard calls, right? Yep, standard absolutely. calls that you expect to hear. Rescue checklist part two, complete ready for a harness delivery of the swimmer. Gotcha. Okay. All right, if someone has something to say. Back up, I see us real quick. Sure. Yeah, Mr. Hall, uh, we got about 15 foot trees here, so. Okay. If we don't keep it steady, I'm going to get pretty, uh, all right, that's fine. Oh, 
Position, somebody's going down, about right, 10. You set my, re we set my right open. Easy right. Easy right. Full position. Somebody's going halfway down, somebody's going down. Somebody's giving a hold signal, going down. Somebody's about 10 feet off the deck, somebody's going down. Get an yep. easy forward right. Yep. Are, are, are you just mentally moving the chopper at this point? So I'm looking visually out and down towards my right a little bit. And I would put in a, a moment. So I would start to get the helicopter edging in that direction, maybe just two or three feet forward and right yeah. until he says, okay, I'm over position. And then I'm going to just bring that cyclic back just a, a touch. Okay. And then I release the field trim. There's a little trim switch there. And that sort of holds the cyclic into the, into that position. And now I can make small, you know, just small, tiny corrections that I might need to for wind. And, and then at that point, you're just, it's a total, you're looking out, you're just constantly having to move. As soon as you start fixating on one thing, you're screwed. You yeah. just keep your eyes moving and you're looking at my altitude. I'm looking at my airspeed. I'm looking down at the ground. I'm looking at my power. I'm looking back at my attitude and I'm looking back at my airspeed. And it's just, you're constantly moving that scan around, trying, taking in as much information as you can. And it's, it's a lot like flying formation, you know? Yeah. You're flying formation on the ground. Especially yeah. when you're hoisting to a boat, you know, oh, yeah. it's yeah. you're. I get, we get that boat underway we get them going so that the, the winds are coming off of their port bow by about 30 degrees. And we're now into the wind and hovering over the boat. The challenge really becomes as soon as you're over the boat, you've really got a lot of few visual references to work with, but you're listening to that swimmer and the swimmer is able to tell you, okay, am I moving forward too much, too little? Am I over the right position? And that's this dance that just goes on between yeah. the mech and the, and the pilot. It is amazing when it's, when it's clicking, right. It's, it's awesome. And the pitch of his voice, I bet is, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But, which brings up to a whole <laughs> nother interesting, <laughs> brings a whole nother interesting, interesting story. And I would ask you guys this, what was the one big warning sign that you would look for when things got bad, when things were going in the wrong direction, what would happen? Comms would stop. Exactly. Yeah. When it yeah. gets quiet yeah. and yeah. not and nobody's yeah. talking, yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me on a night when we were well offshore. It lasted all of 40 seconds, I think, altogether. We're in a hover. That's a lifetime. <laughs> it's an eternity. We were sitting 40 feet over the water, over a boat. Yeah. It's night. And again, probably a lot like what we were doing with this other case. You know, again, another 15, 20 foot seas easily, 40 knot winds. All of a sudden, things get really quiet. I look up and I look at the cockpit, and all of a sudden, the nose is climbing upwards, and we're climbing up through 25, 30 degrees nose up. 
the right wing is rolling to the right. And now we're slowly coming towards maybe, you know, 25, 30 degrees right wing down. And I look out the right window. I'm, I'm on the left side on this case. And I look out and all I see is water. And then I look out and this is with night vision goggles and I look up and I don't see anything out the left side of the plane. And then I look at the radar altimeter and the radar altimeter is descending through 25 feet. No. And we're backing down. I'm like, holy shit. So I bring my hand back behind the cyclic and also then sort of positioned it a little bit to the left. I thought about, do I really want to come? I didn't want to come on the controls. But I thought if I just sort of position my hand so I don't back down anymore, that it might mitigate it. And we slide back around. We're now off position from the boat. We're now sitting off the starboard quarter of the boat. And we make the corrections and we come back and now everything's stable again. And you were not pilot in command? You said you were in the left seat? I was in the left seat. Okay. I'm just trying to make sure that we don't end up in the water. That's my primary job. You're the safety pilot on this. Exactly. Then the boat captain comes up and he goes, Coast Guard helicopter, uh, are you guys okay? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're just checking on to see if there's a different <laughs> hover position that might work. Yeah, we're cool. All good, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we were just giving you an air show before we rescued you. Holy <laughs> shit. Mean, that was that, honestly, so you guys always ask the question, is there ever a moment when you would, hit the, you would be reached yeah. for the ejection handle? Well, obviously yeah. in a helicopter, we don't have an ejection handle, but we have That's a float a switch. Thing. Yeah, We have a float well, switch. And my finger, my right finger, my left hand was behind the cyclic trying to keep it from moving any further aft or right. And my finger was sitting over the float switch. Tell me what float switch does. So the float, we have, we have floats that are mounted onto the helicopter. Um, And if you're going into the water, you're going to punch the float switch. And that's going to inflate these airbags that are going to allow you, sorry, I'm hit my mic that's going to um allow you to float inflate these airbags that are keep you from going in the water or sinking before you can get out okay yeah because so. when helicopters hit the water they flip upside down they because that's where the weight is and they sink it so, yeah and actually and not only that depending upon which direction they roll has a great indicator on how much you're going to survive how likely you are to survive because yeah. the as the rotor disc is turning realizing if you have a, if you're look sitting in the cockpit and if that rotor disc is rotating counterclockwise and if you roll to the left, that rotor disc or the main transmission or the gearbox is going to flip out a roll behind you. And if you roll to the right, that gearbox is going forward and tearing through the cockpit and killing everything. You and the gearbox are about to meet each other and become very close friends. Exactly. For the last time. Jeez. So, so le- left is good, right is bad. Right. But if that's if you're in a Eurocopter. <laughs> yeah. If you're in an American helicopter, you want to go to the right. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> we uh the, the, the Eurocopter, if you fly Eurocopter, you're sometimes referred to as having goofy foot, meaning okay. that you're dealing with the counter torque in the other direction. So yeah. Which is a whole nother thing with the H sixty five that was really unique. Is that the Eurocopter? Yes, it's the Dolphin. Dolphin. Okay. Dolphin. Okay. Got it. Uh, Cause I, I saw those all the time. It's a, it's a, yeah, go ahead. I, I will tell you right now. I like, I initially, when I went in and I, I wanted to fly sixties after I started flying the 65, it, it was fantastic. I wanted, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Um, it was the smartest helicopter out there. 
Um, but they had, we had engines on there that were the LTS 101s. And the LTS 101 is well underpowered for what the aircraft was originally designed for. Um, in fact, ultimately, fast forward, we upgrade from the Alpha to the Charlie model with a Bravo in between, which was just an electronics upgrade. But the Charlie model put new engines on the aircraft. And this was after we had a governor failure on an H-65 out in the med where the pilot in command, who was an exceptional pilot, no questions asked, did a single engine landing to the boat at night. And his options were to either ditch the aircraft in the water, land on the beach of Syria, or do a single engine landing to the boat. So he sticks the landing to the boat, does a fantastic job. That's a whole nother topic in and of itself, just landing to the boat in the helicopter. We end up getting these new H-65Cs of the Charlie model, and it increased our shaft horsepower by 40%. Wow. So we went from being able to just barely, like if we rolled an engine back over the water at night, we were swimming. Um, and if you got lucky, you might be able to, to scoop it out of the bottom. Um, but, you know, if generally speaking with the Charlie model, it totally changed it. We ended up went from the uh, LTS 101s to the uh, Turbomeca Aerial 2C2 engines, um, which is just a huge difference. 40% increase in total shaft horsepower. You could do a vertical takeoff and be climbing through 1200 at 1200 feet per minute through 3000 feet in no time. Wow. So, wow. Totally. But what was interesting is as, as an alpha model pilot, you got very good at power management. So you learned very quickly how to how do I, you know, manage my power, what power I have, what I have to work with, and what are my options in terms of getting in or out of a situation? And you yeah. you learn how to how to fly a power deficient aircraft. Uh, we got time for a couple more stories. Uh, one I, I do want to hear about this wheel washing one because I know that that was a tough one. And I'm uh, not sure. I don't know if we want. Yeah, we don't want to finish <laughs> on that one. So we should yeah, go to yeah. the Winnebago. We should close it out on something upbeat on the Winnebago on the boat. I, I think the I think the Winnebago on a boat's a good one to end it on. Well, is, yeah, it, is, the whale, is the whale watching one a tragic story? Yeah, it's not yeah. good. Because yeah. it's a boat. If, it's, if a... it's the one I'm aware of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All mm. right. So we'll All come right, we'll like come that. back to that on a future show when uh, when we have some more time to sit down and do it. Because that, that one needs some justice. It really does. It it doesn't have a uh, it has a good outcome because you guys came back, but it doesn't have a good outcome. Yeah, the one thing I will say, and this is holds true, I think and this is where I think the Guardian sort of rings true a little bit. I remember more of the ones that I didn't bring back than the ones that I did. Yeah. Although I have a letter from a patient, from people, not a patient, but from an individual that I took out of the water and brought back. Um, and they personally sent me a letter. And that's sitting in one of my exam rooms at my office. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, cool. that's more valuable to me than the Coast Guard commendation letter or any of the other stuff that I oh, got. Oh, you're damn straight. So, so let me ask you this. Um, and, and if you are not comfortable talking about this, that's okay. And if, if, you, have the, if you have numbers, great. So how many years were you operational flying the Dolphin, number one? And how many rescues did you, did you have in those while you were operational? I flew a total of six years. Uh, when I went back and looked through my logbooks, I have 74 search and rescue cases. That's, that's a lot. I was credited. It sounds like a lot. More than you and me put together, Fig. I was right. credited. 
with eight lives saved and I want to say somewhere between 18 to 20 lives assisted, probably maybe more than that. Nice. That's awesome. You know, and I know the ones that, that bother you that you didn't bring back. I've got to say you, you brought back your crew in one piece and, and you had an obligation to them as well. Right. You know, there's the old saying about the Coast Guard, oh, you got to go, but you don't got to come back. And yeah, we don't, I don't we think don't that's entirely that. true, right? You got to bring your crew back. You have an obligation to your crew yeah. to bring them back in one piece. And, uh, you know, you're going to do everything within your power to bring out a, a, someone who's in distress. But if you can't, you can't. The crew has to come back. And yeah. the problem is, is if we don't bring the, if, if I go and put myself and my crew into the water, I'm now going to be tying up additional resources to come rescue me. Bingo. Right. And those are resources that aren't available to rescue those who are in need. Oh, absolutely. All right. And, yeah. you know, that's you're, where the, the message of the discretion is the better part of valor comes about. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's talk about the Winnebago. What's this about a Winnebago on a boat? So there I was. <laughs> and it's the Miss America pageant. And um, <laughs> we're tasked with flying the uh, Homeland Security mission for you know so protecting the coast of Atlantic City, New Jersey. The mission assignment, report anything that's abnormal off the shore of New Jersey. So, you know, we're out on NVGs, I'm looking around and there's this boat that is quite literally making its way up the coast of New Jersey, about ready to make the turn into Atlantic City Inlet. And I look down and there's this bright glowing spot coming off of the boat which sort of got my attention which is like that looks odd so we drop down and we take a closer look at it and on the first pass i'm looking and i go so the outline of the boat's really unique it's got like a large platform there's like a you know almost what looks like a ramp on the front of it totally out of the ordinary from anything that you would normally see off the coast of new jersey on a i think it was february right and I'm like, what the, you know, so now we're up at 1500 feet. I'm like, what the heck is that? So now we make another pass and we drop down a little lower. As we're coming back down lower, I look at this vessel and it's in World War II vintage Higgins boat. Yeah, Higgins boat, like, like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, with, with it landed on Omaha Beach, even. Exactly. Right. And <laughs> so I'm looking at that and then I'm looking in the middle of it, I'm looking, what the freak is that? And so as we, you know, now we drop down one more pass, we're now down to like 300 feet <laughs> coming over and I look over and it's a Winnebago. It's like a recreational vehicle sitting on a Higgins boat with three guys standing around a grill, grilling, I don't know what. And, you know. So the grill, then the grill was lit? It always lit. Oh yeah, no, totally. So you can, you can see that in the MVGs, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So. I'm like, uh, and so the, so now I'm like, okay, I like, and I tried going back to look and see if we had taken pictures of it, but it's probably just the stupidity of it all. But I like him laughing my ass off. Now I've got the worst case of the giggles. And now everybody else. report this? And everybody else in the plane and the aircraft or the helicopter has a case of the giggles. And I'm trying to report this in to our group operations center. So I'm just like, I can't even get a word out straight. Finally, it's my rescue swimmer, I think, who finally has to call it in. And is like, yeah, I know the, the pilot's in hysterics, but, you know, there's a 
like a Winnebago on a Higgins view, Higgins boat making its way into New Jersey. So they actually launched the boat station to go out and do a boarding on it and figure out what the hell was going on. Good. You know, it was like four or five guys just, you know, I don't know. We were just out. minding their own business, too. Probably yeah. drilling yeah. We're bison a, we're or drilling. elephant We're coming into New Jersey. We're going to anchor up here. and It was know. guy night. We drove the Winnebago on my buddy's Higgins bow. We got steaks going. We got scotch. That's That's scotch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you mean, Miss America pageant's going on? We don't know. Yeah, that. I mean the whole the whole thing there is like, are you kidding me? You know, it's like, how's this? You know, <laughs> that's a great. And story. like the whole tasking of the mission was to report anything that's out of the ordinary. Well, that's that was funny. definitely out of the ordinary. You don't see that every day ever. <laughs> no, right? And uh, yeah, no. so uh, yeah, I, it was it was you know a unique, uh, certainly a unique Coast Guard experience. <laughs> if you were one of those guys on that Higgins boat that night, reach out to us. <laughs> I've tried want to, to hear find what the hell this. you were doing. <laughs> I've done a Google search and tried to find, there like I've go. done like Higgins boat, like yeah. Winnebago, Higgins yeah. boat, you know. Um, How many people own those things? I mean, the, the, I don't there, know. Can't, there can't like be that seven. many of them. Probably seven, uh, you know. The, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm sure. I know what I friggin' saw. And, like, you know, you could sit there and tell me, you know, you were hallucinating. You don't know what you saw. Right. And, uh, but, but no, I wasn't the only one. And I'd have to go back and look and see who my co-pilot was. But that's awesome. No, that's awesome. Now we want to hear from you if you were driving that Higgins boat that night. So, well, let me close it out here for this week then. But uh, we have got to have you back and tell a couple. You've got some many, many more good stories. I can tell. Uh, I, I know there's more stories. We uh, yeah. we we sucked up a lot of time with admin and and yeah. uh, and we want to get to the meat. But so it was we, good admin, right. you know. Well, you can people listen to this. May decide to go to the. The but the, the King's Point story was was is a huge part of uh, like how I ended up the way that I am. So yeah, that explains a lot. Get, get to the academy. So uh, <laughs> the, the cool yeah. thing about it, and this is what I would say, and this is what sort of drove a lot of me, is um. So the the motto for King's Point is acting on verba, which is action not words. Yeah, these not words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Well, that's awesome. Well, Sticks, thank you for your service. And I know I speak for dozens of people who are out there walking the planet today that would not so be doing had it not been for your actions out there on a dark night over the yeah. ocean on NVGs. hundred <laughs> miles. hundred miles. Yeah. yeah. What are you nuts? Twelve okay. foot seas, under an overcast, putting yeah. a wet rescue swimmer in the water, trying to put him on a boat. No. No, that's just crazy. You, you yeah. guys are a different breed. And I do. uh, And I want to echo that. Thank you for your service. Hey, and let me ask you this. When you, when you went into the uh, Coast Guard, you were technically under the Department of Transportation. Correct. And then transferred eventually to the Department of Homeland Security, correct? Correct. Okay. Well, thank you for your service. Uh, You you know, it was funny. I had a, so as I mentioned, I I now work in healthcare, but I had a patient on Veterans Day (laughs) sent to me, he goes, Wow, you know, you saw it because I had a couple of Coast Guard things up in my on my walls in my exam room, and he says, you know, I, I wish the Coast Guard were in the service. You know, that would, uh, you know, you guys should do, should be recognized for that. And I was like, service, huh? I was like, <laughs> man, it's like, how yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should one of these days. Yeah, but but I'll so I'll I'll leave you with a Coast Guard joke. So how many coasties does it take to have a burial at sea? Well, it's got to be at least two. Six. 
One to throw the body over the side and five to stomp the guy in the mud. (laughs) That sounds like a Marine joke. (laughs) Well, you know, I I applied to get into the Marine Corps, but I kept passing the test. So they put me in the Coast Guard. Your IQ was too high, bro. Ow. I think we've been insulted, Fig. I'm not sure. Oh, I just insulted ourselves. (laughs) The Marine Corps is not insulted by any... I you know, want to thank both of you for the podcast itself, for what you're doing, what you're adding to the aviation community in general, and what you're doing for you know, recognition of our, of our service aviators, because it's, it's what they do and what they sacrifice is so much more than just, you know, you know, strapping into an aircraft and, and, and doing this. Yeah. It's, um, you know that there's a lot to be said for what it is that we do whether you're a marine corps pilot whether you're a coasty or navy guy um you know and i i'll i i think unless i'm mistaken i'm your first coasty but i'm honored to be that individual you are indeed and we appreciate this is history i also have to give you the so as i mentioned the um so i how i ended up with the nickname sticks or the call sign sticks rather um, so I was the, as I mentioned, I was the public affairs officer of the PAO at the air station. I would frequently be on the phone and I would say like, Hey, I'm John Hall. They would say, you're John Paul. And I'd be like, no, John Hall. And they'd be like, no, John Paul. And I'd be like, no, John Hall, H A double hockey sticks. And oh. that got shortened to sticks. So sticks. It's perfect. that's how that's how that's how call signs are grown bro there yeah. are a lot there are a lot worse call signs to have oh yeah out there, there so. there's there's cans which yeah. is the guy who runs out of gas before he gets to the air station and ends up with the nickname gas kids it could be a lot worse in addition to thank you thanking you for your service i want to point out to the uh, folks that are uh, listening and have seen our web page sticks started listening a few shows in and then went back and quickly caught up. So he's, I think he's listened to most of the shows uh, as, as evidenced by his reference to them during the show. He yeah. has also done the artwork, the banner on the Facebook page, the, the new logo on our website. It, it's amazing. And he's done a holiday one too, that we'll put up. We've got a holiday banner coming our way it, soon. It Fig looks like somebody knows what the hell we're doing. And yeah, right? we really don't, but I guess we do. We in look a roundabout like it, right? way. So it, it's you, deeply Stakes. appreciated. It really is. It and is. if you look closely at that logo, you'll notice that the attitude indicator is, is upside down from the pilot's perspective. And there's a, there's a right side up goat in, in the reflection of the visor. And that goes back to an old uh, Gary Larson uh, far side cartoon. Some mountain goat doing up here in the clouds. Yeah. Sticks, thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. And thank you for your service, most importantly. There are people alive yeah. today who would not be were it not for your service and efforts. And all the Coast Guard pilots who hang it out there all the time and the rescue swimmers, uh, thanks go out to all of them and impressive people. And the world is a better place for them. So appreciate it. Well said. Well said, repeat. We, uh, we need something from you folks, our listeners. The one thing we need you to do is what you've been doing. Keep sharing the show with your friends, your family, anyone who you think may enjoy a good aviation tale. Yeah, share the show. Share the show. Right. Share it. Not that hard. <laughs>
Share it. Do it now. Share it. <laughs> the other thing we need you to do is join Rumble, please. We are on Rumble at so there I was us slash Rumble. That'll take you to our page. And if you would subscribe there, we would highly appreciate it. You don't even have to go back and listen at any point in time in the future. But if you would subscribe, it would help us a lot. Because once we get to 100 subscribers, we don't need to pay anymore to broadcast on Rumble. We've got over 100 followers on our Facebook page, so we would appreciate if some of those followers would go over and follow us on Rumble and make our ability to go live a whole lot easier. Join Rumble. Just mm -hmm. subscribe on Rumble. It doesn't cost nothing. Just do it, man. Just do it. Right. Get after it. Right. <laughs> so if please, you heard terms on it. this show, which you didn't understand, um, I heard a bunch. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> we have a glossary page. If every, you don't, Every time those helicopter guys start talking, I learn new terms, man. Cyclics and collectives what was the term he used he said there was a impending blade uh stall oh, or a retreating blade, blade stall retreating in, blade stall yeah well, i think that was fast. in the first episode with him but yeah that's uh <laughs> that's terrifying you go too fast it's forward terrifying. not enough that's airflow over the over the retreating blade no bad stuff happened so yeah <laughs> let's see we've got a new links page up on so there i was us but you have to be a member and logged in in order to see the link for the links page and that'll take you to our videos where we store those and if you would like to subscribe to the show on a podcast app the best one for us is the apple podcast one although you know what listen anywhere you can get us you can get us on iheart on spotify on stitcher on Pandora, all over the place. Anywhere you find a podcast, you can find us. And we appreciate you going and subscribing. But if you get on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating. And if you would take the time to write us a review, we would appreciate it. We've had some amazing reviews. We are humbled by the nice things you said to us. Seriously. And we love the feedback. Anything we can do to improve, we want to know. So lastly, I would like to thank Dave Hamilton, over at the Mac Geek Gab, he has been instrumental in getting us up and on the air and bringing, helping us bring these shows to you. And finally, who brings us our music every week, Fig? That's our friends, the Dose Gringos. They have an episode coming up, and they were so fun to interview, and their music is awesome. Gracias to the Dose Gringos. Much appreciated music. Gracias, seniors. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mention Robin's Bird Brain Design is our sponsor. This is the 15th of December. Get your orders in by the 18th if you want your Christmas gifts to go out. Please do so. Get them in there. Yeah. Get them in there. Slate coasters, custom with your call sign, with your squadron logo, with your airplane and tail number and, and instruments, whatever. Your fraternity, sorority, something that shows you there put effort and thought into getting a nice custom gift from somebody. Robin'sBirdBrainDesigns.com. In the meantime, the stay safe and check six. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life. But we knew there was no way. Because when you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over. Now about four hours into the flight, well, I got a little nervous because it was still night. I'm on the wing of the tanker, man. And I got a piss So I started fucking with the jaws of death And before I knew it, well I was out of breath Pissed off a cursing and saying to hell with this Miriam's scared of the water You know, we all get scared out there I'm not afraid of the water, Bernie It scares me at night, that's all You can't see what's underneath Just more water <laughs>